0: Much. That was my heart's desire that she would play for us until then, then 28, hymn number 28. And that would be my funeral song. I love that song and I, that is my desire, that when I pass this on, that would be my song in my funeral. And I love it so dearly. When you get chance, turn to the hymn number 28 and get every word is so loaded, so beautiful, so beautiful. Thank you Pastor Marty for this uh, privilege to bring God's word to us. I'm calling myself too, because I'm preaching to myself too. I'm not preaching to you. So it's wonderful that Pastor Marty has counted me worthy to bring God's word. And I thank you very much, Brother Marty. And uh, we are so grateful that you have embraced us as your own, me and Asu. And we humble ourselves, and we thank you so very much, and we are looking forward to be used from the Lord as much as we can. Uh, Pastor Maria asked, "You know, um, this is a funny story. John Wesley had a dream. John Wesley is a Methodist man who founded Methodist Church. It seemed that John Wesley had a dream, and he went to heaven. And Peter welcomed him and uh, he was overwhelmed. And he asked Peter, hey Peter, how many Methodists are here? Peter said none. What are you talking about? I preach more than 35,000 sermons and not one Methodist? How many Baptists are there? None. He got little comfort out of that. How many Reform? He said none. Who are there in heaven? He said those. Who are in the blood of Jesus Christ. What a privilege. What a privilege. There is no east, no west, no south, no north, no denomination. But those who are in, under the blood of Jesus Christ, we are there. We're looking forward for that day. I would like to preach from Hebrews chapter 1. So would you please open the scripture. Hebrews later, back before James. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, as we read, may we all stand to honor God's word, please. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 9. 1 through 9. The first verse I will read, and the next verse you will read out loud together. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times, in the diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. And he, by his day, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. For unto which of the angels said, he at any time, thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee, and again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And of the angel he said, Who maketh his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Let's look to the Lord and pray. Eternal God, what a privilege that we can glean from the Holy Scripture. It is your word, O Lord, Unless and until you open our eyes, understanding, we we can never comprehend. As we sit under the authority of your word, holy God, will you please do so? Give us the understanding, open our eyes, and our heart to obey, that we may see the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. May the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, be acceptable in thy sight, my rock, my Redeemer, and our soon coming King, and God, all God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. The text this evening I have chosen from Hebrews chapter 1, as we just read, And the title for this exposition is The Superiority of Jesus Christ. Paul did mention in Ephesians chapter 3 that we may know, we may grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this is one, what God is talking about his son, how he testify about his son. How much more we need to know about Jesus Christ. And this is the wonderful exposition, there, there will be several Sundays probably in verse two and three if I can take, but today we will see only one point and I will say uh, later on. But before we get into our text, the way of introduction I would like to set the stage. So follow me, it is going to be Christmas, at the same time it is going to be uh, Sunday evening service. So. The true believer in Jesus Christ should not or should never take the story of Jesus' birth for granted. Should never take the story of Jesus' birth for granted. The narrative of the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth ought to take us on our knees because God incarnated in the person of Jesus Christ that should humble us. Second Chronicles chapter six, verse 18. When King Solomon was building the temple and he was dedicating the whole temple and he knelt down before the whole congregation and this is what he said. Watch the word, the Holy Spirit writes. But will God indeed dwell with men?" On this earth, that was a question. Solomon, he raised this question: Will God dwell with man on the earth? And then he says, "The heaven and the heavens cannot contain thee. How much more, how much less, this house which I have built? Can God dwell? That was a question." Now in John chapter 1, verse 8, 14, we read, The word dwelled among us. The word dwelled among us. The word. Paul, beloved apostle of Jesus Christ, promised full spiritual deliverance and the stability in the knowledge that Jesus Christ unto us, the wisdom of God, righteousness of God, Sanctification of God and also redemption of God. Paul further on says that you are complete in him. Friends, who we are. Dust. Return to the dust. And yet God in finite, matchless, glorious, highly exalted... Omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-caring, all-seeing God would dwell among men. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. And Paul says, you are complete in him. Whoa, wow. You are complete in him. And then he says in chapter Philippians, chapter Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of the glory. Christ in you, the hope of the glory. Who we are, friends, that the Christ be hope of glory for my neighbors, for my relatives, my friends, my wives, my husbands. What a privilege. What a privilege. Our great need, then, is Jesus Christ. Our great need is Jesus Christ. He is what we need. He has what we need. He knows what we need to know. He has the ability to do in us what we cannot do otherwise. A.B. Simpson, the founder of uh, uh, Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, wrote a beautiful song. I love it. I sing it. Once it was the blessings, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feelings, now it is his word. Once the gift I wanted, now the giver owned. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone. All, all in all forever, Jesus will I sing. Everything in Jesus, Jesus, everything to me. What a beautiful song. Everything I need, Jesus, everything you need, I need. That what we need that about, about Jesus Christ, that he, he is in all of us, uh, he has the ability to do us in what we cannot do otherwise. Let us glance Jesus' at birth, the amazing appearance of angel Gabriel, to Mary with the greetings as he announced, "Do not be afraid, Mary. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus Christ." What amazing interaction When Mary received this news about Jesus, she went to see her sister Elizabeth, remember. And the Bible tells us, as she approached Elizabeth, uh, then Elizabeth uh, Mary greeted Elizabeth. And and Luke chapter 2, verse 41 says, When Elizabeth heard the the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. That was John. Then we have the unprecedented account of the heavenly host at night appearance to the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, For unto us is born this day the city of David, the Savior, which Christ the Lord then we have a profound response from the godly, good old Simeon, who was waiting for the counsel- uh, consolation of Israel. And holding baby in for Jesus, he said, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Let thy servant depart in peace. Let thy servant depart in peace. What about the Anna, the prophetess, who was waiting? She he said that here is the redemption in Jerusalem. What about the wise men? Travel all the way. And then he said, we have come. Where is he who is born as a king of the Jews? We have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. These are the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul presents Jesus, both the son of David... And also the son of God. Paul was writing to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. So we might be adopted into the family of God. All the medication makes my dr- mouth very dry, so please bear with me. In Philippians, Paul is pointing out the bedrock of the early Christian faith. They contain most distinctive articles of the Christian creed. Paul is writing in Philippians chapter two, he's talking about his humanity, his divinity, his pre-existence, he is equal with the God the Father, his incarnation, his voluntary death on the cross, and his triumph over death and his reign. And his reign. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, in, in him, Paul writes, that dwelleth all the fullness of God bodily. There is another passage. Among the, among the scripture that leads us to our, our text, Hebrews chapter one about Jesus Christ. So you must be wondering where I'm going, but I'm driving now back to text, Hebrews chapter one and verse one and two. The right of the Hebrew, the letter was written in AD 67 or 69. It was the Jews believers to show them That Jesus Christ is, in fact, the fulfillment of the messianic prophecy, promises. The writer the Hebrew present Jesus is the superior to all types. Get the word. All types, all pictures, all shadows, and every representatives in the world. Jesus Christ. That preceded him. This epistle was written to assure the believing Jews that their faith rightly was placed, Rightly was praised. And he was encouraging the believers. In those days, they were going through difficult times. The persecution was going. So they were wondering whether did we make a right decision. You know, sometimes we wonder, friends, when trials and the testings come in our life, we wonder whether are we on the right track? Are we on the right track? Why, why? Hebrews believer had that kind of question. So the writer of the Hebrew reminds them that what you did is superior because Jesus Christ is superior. But to the unbelieving Jews who were watching the believers, and this is always true friends, when as a believing Christians, what we are going through, the trials and the testings in life, unbelieving people are watching us. How are we handling? How are we handling? This is what exactly happened in those days in the first century. As the believers were tested and tried, unbelieving Jews that they, they were watching and they were thinking whether their commitment was right or not. Many of their friends intellectually convinced Jesus was the Messiah and God. But they had not, they not personally believed publicly and confessed him as Lord. As we saw this morning, publicly confess Jesus Christ as Lord. The reason they did not want to be, uh, they did not want to embrace Jesus Christ because believing Christians in those days They were alienated. They were ostracized. They were taken everything. Their job was taken away. So the unbelieving people say, if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, our fate would be just like that. Just like that. So what was the response from the writer of the Hebrews? Exalt Jesus Christ. And let them know they were on the right track. They were on the right track. And uh, it is so amazing that how this rite of the Hebrew encourages the believers that do not look what they are going through, what they are experiencing, compared to what they are going to have in the future is far greater, far greater. So for the believers, what we go through, remember, The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So never give up. Never give up any kind of ostracize, any kind of persecutions because of our faith. Jesus told in the scripture, John chapter 15, they hated me, they will hate you. What can you expect? No servant is greater than master. If they did it to me, they will do to you. So look at the big end, rather than what we are going through. That's what the writer of the Hebrews was reminding the believers, the believers. The writer of the Hebrew reminded them, the babe in Bethlehem is the promised Messiah. He is the promised Messiah. He indeed is the Lord of the new covenant which is far superior than the old covenant of Moses. Jesus was on his way to Caesarea Philippi and he asked the question, what do people think about me? The answer was different. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, and some say one of the prophets. Then he asked them, what do you say? And Peter, as usual, he jumped in and he said, "Thou art the Son of the Living God." And you know the rest of the answer what Jesus told Peter. If we ask the question today, what do people think about Jesus? Well, some would say he's a good teacher, he's a moral teacher, he's a religious fanatic, he was a fa- he's a fake, or he was a criminal, or he's a political revolutionary. otherwise, Others would say likely to believe that he is the highest form of humankind. There are countless human explanations. But let's look how holy God view his son, Jesus Christ. That is our focus. What people think about is secondary. What God thinks about his son is priority. So that is what we are going to think about, what Father thinks about Jesus Christ. There are seven presentations of the excellency of Jesus Christ. Seven. Seven. First, his airship, H-E-I-R-S-H-I-P, airship. Heirship. Then his creatorship, that is the God, his radiance. Third, his being who he is. Fourthly, his administrations. Sixthly, his sacrifice. And then his exaltation. There are seven presentation, representation from God about his son Jesus Christ. So let's follow chapter one, verse one. Let me read to you first. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto us the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir. Father viewed his son when he sent him into this world as heir. Jesus is the son of God, that he is the heir of all that God possesses. Every word, very loaded, so please pay close attention. Let me say it again. Jesus is the son of God, then he is the heir of all. He is the heir of all that God possesses. Our blessed God has appointed our Savior, heir of all. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached his fiery sermon, and more than 3,000 people added. And the first sermon when Peter preached, in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, this is what Peter says, said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ, both Lord and Christ. In both the references, in both the references in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2 and Acts chapter 2, verse 36, the honor which has been conferred upon the mediator. Who is the mediator? Jesus Christ. The honor is bestowed on the mediator, mediator. He is presented as exalted dignity of his author and head, author and head. The title heir, H-E-I-R, suggests two things. Dignity and dominion. The dignity and dominion. As an heir, Jesus Christ is, he is the, he is the possessor, he, he, sorry, he's a successor of his father in all that father has. The title heir denotes Christ's proprietorship. He is a possessor and the disposer of all things. Christ is possessor of all and disposer of all. Like Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was possessor of the grace and not the dispenser of grace. She's just the possessor of grace. While Jesus Christ is possessor and dispenser. Possessor and dispenser. So the title denotes the Christ's proprietary ship. He's the possessor and the disposer of all things. No wonder, before he was ascended into heaven, what did he say to the disciples? All power in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, in John chapter 20, as the Father sent me, so send I you. So send I you. So this appointment from God as heir was in the eternal counsel of the Godhead. Two things are hereby affirmed, because God has predestined that the mediator should be heir of all things. His inheritance is most sure and absolutely guaranteed. It is in the counsel of Godhead that when Jesus Christ comes, On this planet earth, he will be the heir of all what the father has. All what the father has. And Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 27 says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed; who can cancel it? When God has purpose, who can cancel it? And, you know, in another Psalm, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10 says, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all for my pleasure. In the counsel of Godhead, the incarnate Son of God would possess all which Father has. That speaks of the dignity and dominion. And he said, who can cancel it? since God has appointed Jesus as the mediator, heir, we are assured His undeniable rights to His supreme dignity. Jesus, look at this word, as appointed, as a, as a, as a Jesus, as the mediator was appointed for two things. Jesus, as a mediator, was appointed for two things. He was appointed for number one sufferings and he was appointed for the glory. He was appointed for the suffering, and he was appointed for the glory. First Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, and especially verse 20. Who very was predestined foreordained before? Ordained before the foundation of this world. He was preordained. What about Revelation chapter 13, verse 8? The lambs were slain from the foundation of this world. Acts chapter 2, verse 23, him being delivered by the predetermined plan foreknowledge of God. I'm talking about the suffering of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ incarnated God in person, He was appointed for suffering and for glory. Now remember, friends. Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The soul who sinned must die. The wages of sin is death. And the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18. That thus says the Lord that I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So here we have. God knew that we would never atone for our sin. We would never atone for sin. Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. In the book of the Leviticus, we have the foreshadow where the people would bring an offering and cover their iniquities. But but it was the foreshadow of the one which was to come. And when Jesus Christ came, he became a lamb of God for us. In the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem for those who were under the law. And he was appointed for suffering, and then he was appointed for glory. He was appointed for suffering, and he was appointed for the glory. And that is, friends, our future is just like that. The glorious God of the universe appointed the heir to all things, and heir was the Lord Jesus Christ. This was predestined reward of his voluntary humiliation, voluntary humiliation. When he came, he had no place to lay his head when he came, even though he was heir, he had no place to lay, his head is now lawful possessor of the universe because of his suffering and the glory to follow. That glory was foreordained again. In Psalm number 87 and verse 27, this is what the psalmist writes. I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. His proprietorship of mankind will will be evidence when he shall sit down, as Matthew chapter 25 says, that he shall separate goat and sheep. Matthew chapter 25. He shall separate goat and sheep. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Beloved, how rich our Lord Jesus Christ, who was born in a manger. He grew up. He had no place to lay his head. When he came He had no place to lay his head. He said, the foxes have holes, the birds have a nest, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Furthermore, you will read in the scripture that when he was hungry, he had no meals on wheels. Bible tells us, he went under the tree and he said, Jack, come down, I'm going to eat with you. When he was tired, he had to have a borrowed boat and lay down and rest. When he died, when, when he was hanging on the cross, the Bible says he had no clothes on him. Whatever he had, they had taken away from him. When he died, he had no family plot to be buried or he had no graveside, anything else, but he was to be buried in a borrowed grave, borrowed grave. He was poor, so much so that Paul, as he was writing, this is one of the finest words in the New Testament, one of. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He became poor, so out of his poverty we might become rich. How did God view? his beloved son when he came down he viewed him as a heir he was a proprietorship of everything but when he came he had no reputation but suffering followed glory suffering followed glory and we who believe who believes in christ jesus my friends romans chapter 8 verse 16 and 17. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. Every believer has been made an heir of God, our Father. Friends, in this world, we go through difficult times. But God has appointed everything for us. We are heir of God. Christ, we shall obtain the glory which He has promised. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 In Him we have obtained inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of God, who works according to His counsel. And we will inherit eternal salvation, God Himself, and the glory. God Himself and glory. Every adopted child, every adopted child will receive by divine grace full inheritance which Christ will give to us. You know, I long to hear from my Lord, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21. Then the Lord will say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make the ruler over many things. Enter thou into the the joy of thy Lord. Joy of thy Lord. Titus chapter 3 verse 7 says that being justified... Being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What an honor that we are called, we are going to obtain eternal inheritance. Only eternity and the time will tell because of what Christ did for us us, what Christ did for us. The central truth of salvation is justification. The central truth of salvation is justification by faith alone. When sinner repents and places his faith in Jesus Christ, the holy God declares him and her just and he imputes Christ's righteousness and assurance given to him eternal life by the virtue of the substitutionary death on the behalf of the one who puts his trust in Jesus Christ. As adopted children of God through faith, In Jesus Christ, believers become heirs of God. Is the Holy Spirit bears testimony in your heart that you are adopted in the family of God? Not psychologically or mentally, but Are you sure that that God has imputed his righteousness in you? And Holy Spirit bears the testimony that you are son and the daughter of the living God. someone has rightly said that jesus christ came from the bosom of the father to the bosom of woman he put on humanity so we might put on divinity he became poor so we might become rich he was cursed so we might live curse free life he was condemned So we might be declared no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How rich and how adorable our Lord Jesus Christ. Who we are friends, who we are. I often wonder that why would God choose me a dust, a dust, a drop in the water in the bucket, just that he would choose me to be adopted in the family of God that ought to humble me on my knees and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. And he promises that I will share all the inheritance he has promised in the scripture. Nothing will be withheld from those who put that trust in Jesus Christ. And yet, my beloved, how many people ignore Jesus Christ? How many people? All the promises the Father has bestowed, all things are given in the scripture. Yet, how many people are careless? They don't share his inheritance which God as promised in Christ Jesus. His airship that he and we one day will share with him. With him. And I hope, my friends, we will all together one day share with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the honor and the privilege you have bestowed on us. Though we are dust, we shall return to the dust. Yet, God came down in a person of Jesus Christ and lifted us from the gutter into his glory. And one day, you promised us, according to your word, that we shall share the richest inheritance which you have for us. In the meantime, Lord, you have kept us on this planet Earth for a reason. So help us that we may do your Business, telling about Christ to other people. Go with us, Lord, as we go into this world and help us, Lord, that we might be truly read as a living letter of Christ when people see us. In Christ name we pray.